The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name's Chad Young and welcome to the All-Star break. Before the break gets started, there were a few transactions that we should talk about. Nick Solak recalled from AAA, but not in the Rangers lineup Sunday. Solak really struggled in the bigs, but was having a nice season in AAA. He was on a 20 home run, 15 stolen base pace with a 287 average. Don't rush to go out and get him. No idea if he's even going to play, but keep an eye on him because there is a track record of success in the minors. And who knows, maybe he's ready to break out. Sam Huff was option to make room, another guy with a strong minor league track record, but struggling in the bigs. You can let him go for now. The Rays placed Jalen Beeks on the IL. If he was a guy you were gambling on for saves, find someone else. For what it's worth, Jason Adam went an inning with a strikeout for his fourth save for the Rays on Sunday. Steven Matz activated off the IL, set to start for the cards on Sunday, but they were rained out, so we'll have to wait until after the break to see his first start back. Matt has an ERA over six this year, but the underlying numbers are much better, and I think he's a pretty good buy low for the second half. The Pirates recalled Bryce Wilson and asked him to jump right into a start at Coors. He went three and a third, but with three strikeouts, allowed two runs on four hits. Don't really want to read too much into one start, though zero walks is a nice touch. Wilson's been terrible with Pittsburgh, but his underlying stats are merely bad, not awful. And while he's looked better in AAA, his underlying stats are actually a little bit worse. So... Not a lot to get excited about, but he's going to be in the rotation. If you're desperate for innings, he could get some decent matchups at home, I guess. Minnesota activated Chris Archer off the IL and optioned Devin Smelter to AAA. Smelter has struggled, and the Twins don't need a fifth starter for a couple weeks, so he's the odd man out. Suspect he will be back when they need a fifth, barring a trade, which they really could use. Meanwhile, Archer was cruising through four and two-thirds and then got into trouble, ended up allowing four runs on five hits and a walk with five strikeouts in four and two-thirds. Archer spent all year posting ERAs that aren't supported by his performance, but today was a combination of some bad sequencing luck and perhaps letting a guy face the top of the lineup for a third time when he shouldn't have, and his ERA doesn't really reflect how well he pitched. The Tigers optioned Spencer Torkelson to the minors, and to be honest, this was overdue. He has a 68 WRC plus in the year, really hasn't improved lately, he's at 72 in July. Progress has been inconsistent, his hard hit rate and exit velocity has been up in July, but his barrel rate is down, his K rate's down, but so are his walks, he's chasing more and making less contact. Sometime in AAA to clear his head, get his swing right, and rebuild confidence seems like a necessity, 
but he's still an exciting bat, although I do think a real downgrade in expectations is necessary after the way he's struggled so far. The Royals made a ton of moves, presumably in preparation for bringing back the 10 guys from the restricted list following their series in Toronto. Just a couple worth mentioning. Nick Prado was optioned to AAA. Prado was 2-for-3 with a home run Sunday. He had a great series in Toronto. In fact, he now has the highest WRC plus on the Royals among players with 10-plus plate appearances. Yeah, he only has 15 plate appearances, but still, it seems like he earned more of a look than he got. I suspect he'll be back before long. Sort of ridiculous he was sent down, to be honest. Daniel Lynch placed on the IL with a blister. He was pitching better lately, and so he's a guy to watch when he comes back. Nine other players were sent down to AA or AAA, and we're not going to go through all of them. Some unfortunate injuries right before the break. Chris Sale took a comebacker off the hand and broke the pinky on his pitching hand. No idea how much time he'll miss, but that will almost assuredly lead to an IL stint. The only question is how long. Last year, Framber Valdez took a comebacker off his hand and missed all of March, April, and most of May with a broken finger. That same timeline basically means sales done for the year. Now, Valdez injured his ring finger, Wells for sales his pinky finger. We don't know how similar the injuries are. Like, there's a lot we don't know. Don't assume that sales done for the year, but that is certainly on the table, and I'm not super optimistic. Harold Ramirez also broke a finger on his hand after he was hit by a pitch. I suspect he'll also hit the IL, and we'll also have to wait and see how long that's going to be. On to the on-the-field action Sunday. Alejandro Kirk had time for one last home run dead in the first half. He is the best catcher in fantasy moving forward, in my opinion. Jeter Downs has really struggled since his call-up. It's only 27 plate appearances, but they've been pretty bad. He did hit his first career home run on Sunday and went 2-for-3, adding a double, a run, and two RBIs. The shine has certainly come off the prospect's star over the last year, but the pedigree is real and he is worth keeping an eye on. One of the least expected combo meals of the year as Tim LaCastro hit his second home run and stole his fifth and sixth bases, going 3-for-5 with two runs and two RBIs. I still don't think he's going to play very often, so I don't think there's much to see here, but hey, that was a pretty good day. That wasn't the only combo meal Sunday, and the other came from a more expected source as Marcus Simeon hit his 13th home run and stole his 17th base. He was two for four and added a walk as well. Simeon's been excellent since its cold start and is proving to be the elite middle infield option he was drafted to be. Austin Hayes has been cold lately, but hit his first home run since June 28th and went two for four with two runs and an RBI on Sunday. He has a 125 WRC plus at home and 110 on the road, so he's actually adapted quite well to the new dimensions at Camden, and I think he is an interesting play. Couldn't decide if I wanted to talk about Andrew Vaughn, who I still think is being overlooked, Josh Harrison, who's been on fire lately, or Yohan Moncada, who's been much improved the last couple weeks. So I'll just tell you that they all hit home runs, they all had multiple hits, and they all had multiple RBIs on Sunday. They're all worth a second look if you need help in any of their positions in the second half. Francisco Lindor, two for four with his 10th stolen base. He created a run with that steal as well. There were two outs in the first, Lindor on first, Starling Marte on third. Cubs tried to pick off Lindor, and he got himself in a rundown and literally waved Marte home. Marte took off. Lindor ended up ducking under Nico Horner's tag, which is how he ended up safe at second. Both of them stole bases, and it was Marte's 12th on the year. Something to watch with the Giants and a good day for Brandon Belt all at one. With a left-hander opening for the Brewers, they started your mean Mercedes at DH and then pinch hit Brandon Belt in the second inning when the right-handed pitcher came on. Belt proceeded to go two for four with his eighth home run, three RBIs, and a run scored. If you benched him in dailies like I did, you should learn your lesson. Against left-handed openers, he's probably not going to start, but that doesn't mean he won't get nearly a full day at the plate. 
other home runs around baseball. Juan Soto hit number 20, and Victor Robles hit number two for the Nats. Joey Gallo hit his 11th. It's been a while for him, so good to see him get one up. Rugnit Odora got number 10. Randy Arozarena, his 12th. Brett Phillips is fifth. Francisco Mejia, his sixth. Yaro Munez of Philadelphia now has three. Ramon Laureano up to nine. Kyle Tucker is at 18. Jeremy Pena hit his 13th. Cal Raleigh also hit his 13th. Ty Francis, 11th. Willie Adamas is 19th. Rowdy Tellez, number 18. Lamont Wade, number three. And Luke Voigt and David Peralta each hit their 12th. In terms of stolen bases, I told you about most of them, but a couple more out there. Tyro Estrada stole number 13. And Josh Rojas nabbed his eighth. On to the mound. Aaron Nola had 13 whiffs and a 35% CSW on his way to eight and a third shutout against the Marlins. He k 10 and gave up just one walk, allowed just four hits, and had only four hard hit balls off him the whole day. Just brilliant stuff. He'd only allowed two hits through eight and a third and then allowed back-to-back singles in the ninth, which turned a four-run lead into a save opportunity. Jose Alvarado converted it for his first on the year. Jose Brios, very solid Sunday, closing the first half with six and a third innings of two-run ball. Gave up seven hits, one walk, seven strikeouts, only six hard hit balls. And while it was the Royals and the Royals without half their roster, that's his fourth straight good start over his last four starts, which were against KC, Philadelphia, Tampa, and Oakland. He's gone 23 and a third innings, eight runs, which is roughly a 3.08 ERA. Has a 1.24 whip and 29 strikeouts versus just four walks. He is worth looking at as a buy low. We know what he can do and he is starting to do it. Chris Bubich put up a surprisingly nice start at Toronto, going seven innings, allowing just two unearned runs and five hits and striking out four without a walk. Had his pen not failed him, he would have had the win as well. Don't see an obvious change that makes me want to believe he's turned a corner, but I'll definitely keep watching. Spencer Strider struggled a bit, going just four innings, allowing five runs on four hits with two walks and four strikeouts. Strider still had 12 whiffs and 76 pitches and a 31% CSW. He allowed only four hard-hit balls. So really, this wasn't as bad as the five runs and four innings makes it sound, but it is a reminder that he is human. He hasn't always looked it. Garrett Cole locked down the Red Sox, striking out 12 without a walk over seven innings. He allowed two runs on four hits. His 20 whiffs were the second most on the day. He's had some walk issues on and off, so that zero is really pretty looking. Only Dylan Cease had more whiffs on Sunday. He had 21. He went seven innings against the Twins, eight strikeouts, two walks, a hit, and no runs. Just filthy stuff for a guy who really should be on the All-Star team. I still worry that control is going to come back to bite him with all the walks he's been giving up, but it hasn't yet. Corey Kluber has been solid all year, but Sunday wasn't his best, giving up four runs on eight hits and a walk in six innings with just three strikeouts. He is not the ace he once was. You can't count him to be that, but I still trust him most of the time. Trevor Rogers still not all the way back. Eight whiffs and a 26% CSW allowed him to give up four runs on seven hits and six innings with four strikeouts. The Phils are a tough matchup. He didn't issue a walk. There is some progress there, but it is slow. Jake Odorizzi had five strikeouts on a walk and five and a third, which is solid, but he also allowed three runs on five hits, leaving him with no win and no quality start. This one's actually a little concerning for me as he wasn't bad, but you need more than not bad versus Oakland since most of his other starts are going to be tougher. David Peterson with another solid start going five and allowing one unearned run on three hits with eight strikeouts. He did allow three walks. That's a bit too many. It's just the Cubs, but he continues to pitch well. Adrian Sampson only allowed the Mets to score two over five and a third opposite him, but one strikeout, three walks, and six hits is not real inspiring. Logan Webb with a decent close to his first half, going six innings, allowing two runs on four hits, got the win and the quality start. 
He struck out four and walked two, and I don't love having that many walks versus strikeouts, but this start raised his ERA to 2.83, so it's really hard to complain about what he's done so far this year. Merrill Kelly just keeps plugging along. One run on six hits, no walks over six innings with five strikeouts. He's running a low home run per fly ball rate, and that is due to increase. The low K rate means that could make him risky, but he's been solid. I think he might be a sell high, but honestly, I'm not sure anyone is buying at his ERA, and I wouldn't just dump him to dump him. If you can get a really nice return for him, go for it. But otherwise, I'd keep riding this until it falls apart. Mike Clevenger took the loss opposite him, going six innings, allowing a run on four hits, striking out eight and walking two. After a couple of rough starts, nice to see him take advantage of an easy matchup. Hopefully, he gets some rest over the break and is ready for a lights-out second half. In the bullpens, Jordan Romano handled the Royals in order with two strikeouts for his 20th save. The Nats extended their lead to four in the bottom of the eighth, but Kyle Finnegan was the one who came on for them in what was expected to be a save until it wasn't. He went 1-2-3 with a K through the Atlanta lineup, so it seems like he's in a good spot to take over in D.C. Lou Trevino struck out two on his way to his eighth save. He's pitched better than his ERA suggests this year. David Robertson gave up a hard hit, but held on for lucky number 13. And Mark Melanson also with lucky number 13 for the D-backs. This is usually where I turn you over to Mark for the weather and talk about what's happening in games today. But no weather, no streamers, because today there is no baseball. We'll be dark here at the First Pitch Podcast for the next couple days, but we'll get a brief episode Thursday morning recapping any news from the week, plus previewing Thursday's slate of games. Then I'll be back with you Friday morning as we get into our regular flow all the way through the end of the season. For now... Take a day off, catch your breath, then start to figure out what your teams need for the stretch run, work the wire, get some trade talk going, and enjoy the All-Star break. Talk to you in a couple days. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.